It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. We have our third and hopefully final iteration of Michigan's 2020 football schedule. We're here to discuss the Wolverines opener at Minnesota on October 24th, the finale at Ohio State on December 12th, and everything in between. It's the toughest schedule in the Big Ten, so it deserves its own episode. Here it is on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Guys, special Monday edition of the podcast. Getting at it right away. How you guys doing? Good. I hope this is the final iteration of the schedule. I'm sick of writing about it. (laughs) It would be a real problem if it wasn't. Part of me says this should have just been, they should be starting it up, you know, maybe next week, like the SEC is, I believe. Is that this Saturday they're coming back? Mm -hmm. But so be it. Here we are. It was somewhat of a, a... surprise schedule reveal we thought it was maybe coming you know today but it came saturday morning you know as part of a fox's pregame show uh, they will release it week by week you know here's here's week one for the league commercial break here's week two we come back we're talking about some random game in the you know acc oh and here's week three that being said i wouldn't be surprised if this is the norm where it's at least it's a show instead of just an email a press release, it is some sort of show on, on BTN. What do, you, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, it was an hour-long thing. I mean, and I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, with the SEC did something similar, uh, what, last month when they unveiled their schedule? They released some portion of it on the SEC network, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, these obviously, they, the Big Ten has its own network in partnership with Fox, which partially owns Big Ten Network, so it made total sense to do it that way. After all the information that's been leaked over the past couple of months, how, how was the schedule not one of them? That would have made our jobs a little bit easier, at least get an idea of what's coming. But hey, it is what it is. Got people to watch. Here is what's coming, and it starts October 24th. I didn't see anything about Friday games. They, the, the schedule official release on the Big Ten site lists the dates as all Saturdays. I don't know if you guys heard anything different about whether they'll, they'll try to play some Friday games. But... For now, it's shown Saturdays. Uh, October 24th is the first one. Michigan is at Minnesota. And then they roll right through with no buys. Michigan State at Indiana, Wisconsin, at Rutgers, Penn State, Maryland, and at Ohio State on December 12th. There is then a game the following week against, uh, you know, it's the Big Ten Championship. So the East and West champ will play each other. And then I believe, you know, second place third place teams, fourth place teams down the line will play each other. So that's, uh, you know, nine, nine games total. Uh, first question. I mean, this is, this is a tough schedule. Yes. Is it, is it the toughest in the, in the big 10, would you say? Yeah, I, I'd say so. If, if not the toughest, one of the toughest, um, you know, not nine games, nine weeks, like you said, um, the schedule wasn't totally surprised just because we knew Michigan was going to play every team in their, 
in the division anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Wisconsin's been on the schedule for, for several years now. Minnesota was on the original schedule to begin with. Yep. I mean, the schedule isn't totally different than what we've seen already released. The dates have changed and games have been moved around, but these opponents are really well, well known. But yeah, it's pretty difficult. Minnesota's expected to contend for a, for a Big Ten West division title. Wisconsin's, I think, the preseason favorite to win the Big Ten West. They've always given Michigan trouble, obviously, as we know. So they've, if, they're, if they think they're going to play for a Big Ten championship this year, and again, that's a big if at this point, they've got a long, difficult pathway, I think, to get there. For sure. I mean, yeah, I definitely believe that the East is still a much more deeper conf- or, uh, division mm-hmm. than, than the West. And you face the toughest, in my opinion, the two toughest teams in the West this year in Minnesota and, and Wisconsin. So, yes, right. I, I definitely think it is the, the toughest schedule out there unless there's another East it, team. That's, there's no other East team that's playing those two. Exactly. Um, so um, maybe you can argue like Wisconsin and, and, and Iowa mm-hmm. opponents would be tough too. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Minnesota to start off on the road with, especially if they get Rashad. Braitman back. I mean, it's uh, and that that core rat Tanner Morden. I mean, that's a dangerous duo that a uh, young suck secondary could be facing. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into this more about opt ins and opt outs, but yeah, right now, Michigan has so many question marks and they're gonna get some answers that week one game at Minnesota. I'm sure. So, Nebraska is at Ohio State and then versus Penn State. Those are their their crossover games. So, maybe, maybe that's a team that's comparable, but then you're comparing, I don't know. Northwestern, Illinois, Purdue, uh, to Indiana, Michigan State, and, and, and you know it, it's a little tricky. Right. I, I don't know. In in the end, I think it's safe to say Michigan has at least the toughest in the East. But here we go. You know, it's nine straight games. Like we said, that's unusual. They played seven straight last year. I looked. They played eight straight. You know, a couple of years before that. But the last time it played at least in nine straight weeks was you know back in in 2012 where they just they ran straight through weeks 1 through 12 that that season did not end particularly well for the Wolverines so I don't know. It is a lot. So forget the forget not having breaks for COVID. I mean, just not breaks for regular injuries or, or rest or kind of just to you know reset things. It's it's going to be a gauntlet, but it's true for for every team. I don't know if we're ready to run through each each game on Michigan's schedule just because there are so many uncertainties about. Uh, you know, roster makeup, who, who's who's opted out, who's opted out, but is trying to opt back in. We can get into some of those decisions later. But for now, can we just talk generally about sort of the ceiling and the floor for this Michigan team as far as, you know, records or, or just sort of expectations now that we actually see on paper, you know, who their opponents are? I mean, I think the ceiling, and, and this is being, I think me being super optimistic at this point, if everything clicks for Michigan and things go well, I think the ceiling's you know six and two or seven and one. I I don't foresee them wow. having a shot being Ohio. Let, let me let me preface that I'm not saying they're going to go that because I don't at all. But I, I think if everything goes right, Michigan does have Penn State at home. They do have Wisconsin at home, who they played well against against the Badgers in Ann Arbor, not Madison. And you don't know what you're going to get out of Minnesota. I think it's possible Michigan goes six and two or seven and one. I don't see them beating. Ohio State. I don't see them winning the Big Ten championship, but that to me is the ceiling. The, the low, the low point here, the floor to me would be three and five, four and four, which I think is to me more realistic of happening at this point, just because there's so many unknowns with this Wolverines team. Um, I don't know if you want to get into predictions at this point, but you know, if I had to go game by game at this point, at this point right now in the season and give a final record, I'm going to say five and three or four and four. I don't foresee them beating Minnesota early in the year. Is a road game. Although that means, I think, less at this point, just because the Big Ten isn't planning on having fans in the stands. Right. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you're going to get out of, out of Minnesota at this point because Rashawn Bateman could play, may not play. And again, keep remember, many of these teams haven't had a padded practice in 
Bots. I think Minnesota has a new offense, offensive steam this year too, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So that's another adjustment they'll have to make. But right, and you, and you got, I mean, it. Penn State, it is at home, so I think that's what helps Michigan. But again, Penn State fe- figures to be a potential contender for Big Ten championship this year. I think they're more talented than they were last year. I think they're a better team than Michigan is. So I don't, I at this point, I don't see Michigan beating Penn State, but I think there's an outside shot just because it's a home game and Michigan tends to play well against good opponents at home. Indiana, at this point, I think to me is a toss-up. I think this Indiana team offensively is better than it was last year, and, and this game is in Bloomington. Uh, so I, there, there's just so many what ifs and unknowns at this point. So see, like, I'm going to say like six and two, maybe seven to one, if everything goes right. Oh. And, that's, and then seal and then floor is probably like, you know, they, they fail to get their offense going. They struggle against Indiana on the road. They, they don't win the opener at Minnesota and things kind of tumble for there. And they go like three and five, four, and four. Five. I mean, I'm with Aaron on the ceiling. I think seven, you know, you beat everyone except Ohio state. I mean, you can't say with certainty that any of these other teams are necessarily know better than michigan especially if, yeah. if especially if milton is you know uh lives up to the hype but yeah the you could easily see losses to minnesota wisconsin penn state and ohio state you know kind of the four teams that are that are right up there talent wise and then you drop another one to you know upstart say indiana and, and just like that you're you know you're under 500 uh, at three and five the home road thing i think is worth discussing and i'm sure we will in, in the future as well by the time the Big Ten starts, you know, we'll have a little more data on, you know, how these other conferences are faring, you know, home ro- road splits. The thing is, a lot of these other conferences do have some fans. The Big Ten is not going to have any. So there are other factors that, you know, benefit the home team. Sleeping in your own bed, literally not having to travel. But that might be it. I don't know, the comforts of your own locker room. But, like, there's there's really not that many other things that aren't related to the fans in some way. Because I believe referees right. are influenced by the fans more so than just literally the location of the game. Obviously you're inspired by the fans to, to, to come back. If you're trailing, they make noise when the other team has the ball. Like I, I totally agree with you. I think the only negative, I think from, if you're Michigan's perspective going on the road for a game is again, the ability of having to wake up somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, you know, get on a plane or ride a bus and, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, when it comes to the fan noise and, and the environment, I don't think it changes much. The only caveat I have with that, is with the season opener at Minnesota. Michigan had, again, they haven't played a football game since January 1. They had limited summer practice. It's the first game of the season. I I think it factors maybe a little bit more for that Minnesota game. But you're right. By and large, I think road games won't have the same effect without fans as as they would with with fans. Yeah. I just think that would usually be, all right, I'm really torn on these teams. That's going to be my tiebreaker here. Now it's like I don't even see that as as necessarily tight. Like I think I think more predictions and, and more results are going to be based on simply just like who's the better team. So you know, I guess if you look at Michigan's schedule, though, where does it really play in? They get I don't know. They have again Wisconsin's at home, Penn State's at home, but Ohio State's. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. I think in the end, it all kind of balances out. Every team's got their four home games and four road games anyway. Pretty sure every team's got at least. It's one of their crossover games is home and one is road. Uh, I know at least, you know, Michigan. It would make sense. Yeah. I looked at, yeah, it looks like that. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be something, something to watch. But yeah, then the other thing is we alluded to was the, uh, the, the opt-ins and the opt-outs. I mean, from Michigan's perspective, Jalen Mayfield, their best offensive lineman, he is now back. They're still waiting well, on, yeah. <laughs> well, what's that? 
I was going to say, he wants to come back. He wants he, to he come is, back. He has indicated that he wants to play and he plans to play, but we haven't, and again, this is going to be an issue to watch over the next mm-hmm. days and weeks of whether the NCAA allows some of these guys who have signed with agents and or accepted some type of money or benefits to begin prepping for the NFL draft, uh, allow them to come and come back and play. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's, I guess, an assumption that they're going to, and it, it may, there may be a possibility it may happen. But until we get a uh, final word from the NCAA, it's like it, it's hard to say with some of these guys, especially in Mayfield, who, again, had signed with an agent and was pre- preparing to leave. So we'll, we'll see with, with him. But yeah, I mean, that would certainly help Michigan's offensive line if they, they got him back. I don't know. It wouldn't be that hard, at least not any harder than trying to track a lot of the stuff the NCAA tries to police by saying, all right, you signed with an agent. He flew you out to, to California for, you know, to begin training, put you up in a hotel for a couple nights and paid for your meals. That total is X number of dollars. You owe that back. And if, or if not back to him, you know, to a charity, they sometimes do that. I know with Miles Bridges, they had, they had him do that for, for a meal that, you know, uh, an agent paid for, for his mom. Uh, you got Ambry Thomas, defensive back and, and Nico Collins, wide receiver for Michigan, you know, among kind of the two other high profile players who are maybe in limbo. We don't know. Nico Collins might have no interest in returning and he's made a decision. They're all important to Michigan. I mean, Mayfield is huge on a you know inexperienced offensive line. Um, Nico Collins, there's depth at wide receiver, but man, he he's the he's the stud out there. He's the the big play threat, the the, the guy who's not a slot receiver, unlike you know most of the rest of these guys at six foot or, or, or shorter. And then Ambry Thomas, I mean, you can never have too many you know good defensive backs, and he's he's your he's your best one. So other teams are dealing with this, but it does seem like in just another blow to Michigan in their rivalry with Ohio State. The Buckeyes seem to have already gotten, you know, at least the interest from players, their key guys wanting to come back. So we'll see how it all shakes out. I'd say these opt-ins and opt-outs are are more important to Michigan than than any other program just because of the position those three players play. Like you said, yeah, Michigan would have to replace its entire offensive line if, if Mayfield isn't allowed to play or come back. At cornerback, if Ambry Thomas isn't allowed to play, you're looking at Vincent Gray and a completely unknown starting corner. I mean, you have Jalen Perry, you have Andre Selvin, a true freshman, DJ Turner. I mean, all these, there's just no experience there. And yeah, Nico Collins was your one true proven deep threat. I mean, at six foot three, I mean, he's your one uh, receiver who can go up down or go up down the field and, and win those 50, 50 balls. And I mean, yeah, you have some other key pieces back like Ronnie Bell and a lot of talent at that wide receiver position. But a lot of that talent, six feet or under, and more slot guys that don't really possess the same attributes as Nico Collins. So unless you want to count on Cornelius Johnson, a sophomore who played minimally as a freshman, to be that vertical deep threat that can go up and win those 50-50 balls, I mean, it's a lot of production to replace it if Nico doesn't come back either. So those three positions are (laughs) – Michigan needs those guys to to come back if they're going to compete – and, and finish six and one or, and, or, or six and two or seven and one, like you guys said, for the ceiling. Yeah. And of course, you know, the kind of the biggest unknown at the most important position is Joe Milton at quarterback. After two years of Shea Patterson, they'll now turn to a relatively inexperienced Milton as a signal caller. You know, what you hear about Milton is, you know, very strong arm. That's like the first, second and third thing that, you know, teammates and coaches uh, mention when, when discussing him, you know, a runner, but that's not really what he's he's known for. I wouldn't I wouldn't say if if Patterson was a scrambler and McCaffrey was you know a, a true runner. I don't know Milton might fall somewhere in between. Would that be fair to say? You know, mobile, not just a statue back there, but not necessarily uh, 
you know, going to design 10 or 12 runs for him per game. But we'll see. I guess, you know, you guys were on the Zoom call where, where one of his receivers, uh, you know, was talking about him. I guess what are kind of your expectations for, for Milton in his first year as starter? Yeah, I mean, he's listed at 6'5", 243. I don't foresee Michigan drawing up a ton of run plays for him. Now, that being said, he certainly has the capability and athleticism to do so. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're going to see him scramble nearly as much as you saw maybe Shea Patterson do it. Um, but Milton remains an unknown. And, and I think with an unknown, someone who hasn't started a collegiate game, you need as many weapons as, as you can get around him. And like, like you were saying, Ryan, that's where I think Jalen Mayfield would come and play and having Nico Collins at his disposal would be key. Um, there's just so many, I mean, unknowns with, with, with Milton and this offense that, and that's where we were talking about ceilings and, and floors earlier and everything else. And that's kind of where it starts with Michigan and, and Milton specifically. Um, you know, we haven't seen a ton of them I and mean, he's playing a handful of games um, the past couple of years, mainly mop up duty late in games. He's thrown a couple of interceptions. I'm just like just, 11 attempts. Yeah, and his, his accuracy is questionable. As we, we've talked about ad nauseum. Now, he, he did spend a, a great deal, apparently, as I was told over the summer, working with quarterback coaches uh, and, and different folks trying to help him in that regard. Uh, I know Michigan made an, an, an attempt last season to do that. But we again, we haven't seen him, so we don't know where he's improved, where he's at this point. But it's clear that, you know, again, reading between the lines, I wrote, I think, last Friday or over the weekend, and I'm live with regards to Dylan McCaffrey's departure. But it sounds like, in some respects, Joe Milton won the job. So apparently mm-hmm. he has improved. He has shown the coaching staff something. We just haven't seen it. And with, with first-year quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, you never know what you're going to get, especially when you put the pads on it and play a football game. And that's going to be the case with Joe, and, and that's why I think that season opener at Minnesota is going to be so, I think, telling with regards to this offense and what, what they can do. Absolutely. To me, what's a little bit surprising is how, how much people are talking about him as a dual-threat quarterback already when really he, he's never really been that type – to, to kind of tuck it and run. I mean, even in high school, he was more of a, a pocket passer and um, would definitely throw the ball more than he would run it. And I mean, I've even on the college football preview shows the other day, I mean, Urban Meyer compared him to, to Cam Newton a little bit and said that, oh yeah, he can run. He's got a hose of an arm. Uh, but like really, he hasn't really shown that he could run yet. Uh, it, it could be a, a new wrinkle that under in Josh Gattis' offense if they utilize him. But uh, it's it's it will be interesting to see what we get out of him because like Aaron said we just don't know at this point because we haven't really seen him or heard, really heard much about their practices so far so it, it will be that's the obviously the top storyline to watch heading into this 2020 season is what what Michigan will get out of the quarterback position 12, 12 rushing attempts for 47 yards in his career of course that's more than his number of passing right. attempts for his career 11 so I, I guess that's maybe where that comes from but um yeah just we, we just have also a mop-up duty <laughs> yes. yeah. and I mentioned his size I have to think that's going to make him a little slippery and difficult to take down when it comes to you know opposing linebackers and stuff so mm-hmm. I, I do think there's probably a, a, an opening there a possibility for Joe to maybe do make some more plays with his feet we just haven't seen it like we said we haven't seen it a ton it's just unknown now it would it would that would go along with Josh Gaddis's offense where he, he can try and get out and get open and they can design some things for him we just haven't seen it done so I'm I'm curious maybe he's he's lost a few pounds maybe he's slimmed down I don't know, but you know, at 6'5", 243, I just don't see him moving a, a ton out of the pocket. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Right, maybe he has some things designed for him. But Cam you know, Newton does. Yeah, right. <laughs> Running quarterback powers on the goal line last night against the Seahawks. I mean, if I mean, there's with those physical traits. I mean, there's definitely a lot to like there. 
Absolutely. But when, when you keep hearing a lot of guys arm like, like Joe's, I, I have to think they're going to try and utilize that as much as possible. Um, so, but we'll see. I mean, Michigan's going to have a stable running backs too. Again, we've, we've talked about ad nauseum too, that they're going to have, you know, three, four guys there that, that could, that could, you know, get, get snaps, get carries. And, and you got Chris Evans, who I think is unique and get outside the pocket and, and, and catch passes. So I think that, that they're going to have uh, options to run the football. And I just, I don't foresee Joe being, uh, you know, a, a, a big part of that. Well, he will, of course, go a long way in determining uh, Michigan season. We now know know the games. There's there's eight regular season ones and a, and a kind of bonus game uh, at the end. It starts with a, on October 24th at Minnesota, uh, and then you know get get right to it with a rivalry game against Michigan State the following week. So uh, it's all become a little more real now that you actually see these opponents, and you know Michigan can start planning for uh, PJ Fleck and the, and the, and the Gophers, you know, just about a month away. Um, so we'll have more coverage, you know, breaking down that game specifically um, and more, you know, concrete predictions as we learn more about the roster on future episodes of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Thank you for listening.